This summer, we've been kind of working through some different topics, and we've been kind of working through some, some areas um, really kind of close to home in some ways, right? We talked about forgiveness or unforgiveness and the struggles with that, and last week we touched a little bit on love, and, and what do we do with that, and, and how do we show love, and who are we to show it to? Um, so if you've been coming, you've kind of gathered that. This morning, we're going to look at something that um, can be a little bit difficult. It's on judging and, and dealing with with sin. And you say, man, Charlie, that's kind of a bummer topic to start off the, the morning with. And, and you said how much you love us and you love the getting together. But you know what? We have to deal with these things because it gets in the way of our relationship. And I really believe, especially right now in our culture, we have to be very careful that we don't let culture determine our walk with Christ. Right? It always has to go back through the grid of God's Word. And what does God's Word say about things. And I want to start off with one of the probably most misquoted, and I'm pretty sure about this, misquoted verses in the Bible. But it's not quoted by Christians. Well, sometimes it is. But it's actually quoted by the world. The world actually wants to, to use this verse. Um, in fact, they use it against us. So if you have your Bibles, or it'll be up on the screen, Matthew chapter 7. Tell me if you've not heard this from, not someone in your church, but someone from outside. Do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged with the same measure you use it will be measured against you. Right? The world loves to use this verse. Right? As soon as us as Christians say, hey, wait a minute, God's word says that's not right. And I, and I said that, but God's word says that that's not right. And they go, oh, whoa, you're a Christian. You're not supposed to judge. You can't judge me. But what have they done with that verse? Right? They're saying, hey, you can't judge me, so that must mean it's, it's okay. Right? They use it against us. And I, I, tell you what, there's not many things that I get upset about, but that's one of the things I get upset about is when someone quotes that verse to me, and all of a sudden it's like, well, you can't have an opinion now because you're judging me, and you have to agree with the way I'm living my life or the way I'm doing things. You, you can't use that verse. And, and again, not many things I get upset about, but that's one of them. But how true is it, right? They want to say what they're doing, even though they, they, they know it's wrong, and say, but you can't judge me. So therefore, you have to agree with me. Now, the Bible does say it. And again, I, in Bible school, this was very important. And I remember this. This professor was really great. He used to stand on the desk, and he used to start off his every lesson that we were learning, he would start off say, by saying, context is key. Context is key. Because he said it in Hungarian, but so I remember it. Context douche, context douche. So it's very similar to English, but context is key. It's important. And again, Jesus spoke these words, but look at the context. This is actually part of his Sermon on the Mount. And again, the people that he was referring to were the Pharisees. And again, it wasn't that they were wrong in making judgments, because they were. That's what the law does. That we need certain things to tell us what's right and wrong. And that's what God's Word does. That's what the law does. We need that guideline. We need it in our personal lives. We make judgments on things all the time. But the key is how we do it and what is our heart motivation. And when you put it in the context of this, this passage, it doesn't mean that we're not to make judgments on sin. Sin is always wrong. It's never right. No excuse. So now let's take a look a little bit more, again, in context with that verse, of what it means and how, how do we do that? How do we make judgments 
And again, in the context here, judgments within our church body. The outside world, we, we really, you know, we can make judgments and we should make judgments on those things that are sin, but to convince them if they're not using the Bible as their source of truth, it's kind of a wasted errand in many ways. And that's not our goal as a believer. They're an outside unbeliever, share the gospel. That, that's first and foremost. Don't try to clean them up or try to get them to change their behaviors, really, because that's not conducive to the gospel. Gospel first. But this is within inside the church. This is within inside the body of believers, the group that we love, the group that we like to be with, the group that we identify with. Interesting illustration here. It says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? Some translations say log. I like, I like log a little bit better. Plank, a little bit small for, for my eyes anyways. Well, a couple of you got it. All right. And then, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when all the time there's a plank in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. All right, I'm going to stop right there for a minute because you know what? I'm a visual guy, and some of you folks I know like visuals, so I need a volunteer. I don't care. Which one of you? Uh, there's a race back there. Now I've got two volunteers. All right. All right. Jeff? Oh, yeah, come on up. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. if you're going to volunteer, you've got to stand up in the front, but I know you can handle this, Joe. All right. Hey, Joe? You've got a speck in your eye. Yeah, you do. I'm telling you. You've got a speck in your eye, brother. Okay. All right? Now, I'm not going to make Joe confess what that, that speck is. <laughs> this is not the right place. And yeah, no, I'm glad, not sure. But here's the problem. In order for me to, to help Joe with that speck in the eye, I need to check my own motivation, my own heart. And, right? Here's the problem. I got a log, right? Is this, is this, how's this for a log, huh? I told you plank wasn't good, right? Is this, a, this is what I think a log is, right? But even with this, even if I, this is what I think my, my log in my own eye is, how could I help you very much, you know, right? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to beat Joe probably with this stick, but really this is my perspective of a log, and it's really not true. It's my perspective. Now you say, well, Pastor Shaw, you're a pretty good guy. You're a pastor. You know, you've been around for a while, and you've been a, a believer. So maybe, maybe I'm not as bad as I think I, I mean, I'm not as bad as I think I am, but maybe you think I'm not that bad. So maybe this is my, my log, right? So your perspective of me might be a little bit better, but not better than mine, because I, I think I'm really good. But either way, I'm not... Joe, let me get to your eyes. Come on, man. Good thing you got glasses on. No, no, no. But you know what? The real perspective that matters, and not that your perspective doesn't matter, and not that my perspective doesn't matter to some degree, but really what we want to look at is what is God's perspective. And in reality, this is probably more true. This is probably more what's in my eye. And have you ever noticed that, like, with somebody that has a sin and they see it in somebody else? They go after it, right? It's like, look, I can't eat water for a shark. You, know, you just can't wait. But is this going to be helpful to Joe? I can't even, look, I can't even hit him because I can't even see. Being gentle. But this is probably more true of what's going on in my heart. Joe, you can go sit down now. I'm done with you. I'm done with you. That's it, yeah. Right. 
But what do I, what do I need to do with this log? I mean, this, this sin issue that I see in Joe is probably a sin issue that's in my own heart, right? Or it's one that I struggle with or one that I identify with most and am most tempted with. And, and guess what? I really what I want to do is I want to beat that out of him. I didn't do this to Joe because I love destruction. That's him. I want to I want to club him with this because I know the destruction that's him. But really, it's still my heart's not right. I can't be helpful to Joe with this in my eyes. And so you know what I need to do with this? I need to really confess it like any other sin in my heart because my motives are not right. Put it at the cross and leave it there. Right? And most of us. Maybe we can get to that point where we actually do that. We, we recognize that that sin's in our life, and we recognize that, you know what, I need to deal with it, and I need to leave it at the cross and put it there. But there's one problem with that. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be generous in my, my numbers this morning. I'm going to say 95% of the time, if we get to that point where we actually confess and we put it at the cross, we go on our happy, merry way. But what about poor Joe, who I love, who I care about, who identify that there's a problem. What about him? Guess what? He still has a speck in his eye. He's still struggling. He still has it. Can we be honest? We very seldom take the next step. It's in there. It's in the scriptures. Right? I read it. I know I read it in that verse somewhere. When you see clearly, remove the speck from your brother's eye. We very seldom get to that point where we say, you know what, I love Joe enough that I, now that I've confessed and I've got my heart right, I need to go to him and help him with that. In fact, if I've come to that point where I've, I've asked for forgiveness and I've really truly repented and I've really wrestled through that issue, I'm actually probably much better at, at being able to do that. I can see clearly now. As you know, I need glasses. I can see that speck. But I also can identify with it. I, I know the struggle with it. And I can walk alongside Joe with that. But don't forget that last step. Again, it's in context of the church. That's what we are to do as brothers and sisters. We're supposed to make each other better. I know you folks help me and you make me better. You should be making each other better. And also say this too, don't leave it That's not to the pastor to do all that. I don't want to be going around looking for specks in everyone's eyes. That's not, again, relationships are dual, and they're within the body. They're, they're different relationships, and it's a lot easier to speak to someone if you have a relationship with them. But it's also easier if you have struggled with that sin to help them with that. Maybe there were some things that came to that point where I got to the cross. Maybe there were some steps that I followed that helped me with that, and now I can share those with Joe. One of the other things I like to do is I like to couple this passage with one that comes a little bit later on down the road, Galatians chapter 6. Be our main text. Let's do this in the right manner and for the right reasons and for the right purpose. And this is going to be our main text, but I wanted to set it up a little bit with those two things because, like I said, these texts go together. It helps us in our Christian walk. It helps us with our relationships with, not only with each other, but obviously with our relationship with Jesus as well. But our motivation matters. How we go about taking specks out or dealing with sin issues matters. It matters to God. I always say God is always working on multi-levels, multi-dimensions. We just don't always see them, but it's so true. God's working in my life. He's working in Joe's life. 
But you know what? There may also be people around us that are watching us and how we deal with it. And so God's working in their, your lives as well. And that continues in the church body. Thank you, Joe. Appreciate it. All right, Galatians chapter 6. And I say these go together because, again, it's the same, it's the same issue. The speck is a, a sin issue here. And Paul addresses it to the church in Galatia a little bit later on. And the church is, and again, just for a little bit of background, it's, this is one of the earlier churches in Paul's ministry. It's one of the first churches that he visits, he establishes. They have a lot of struggles early on. Again, it's not that much time that's passed where they've come out of Judaism, and now they're establishing as a church. It's after Christ's death and burial and resurrection. And Paul is declared a Christian. They're struggling to pull things together. And so there's some foundational things that are going on. In fact, the, the whole argument with what do the, the Gentiles have to do comes out of this church in Galatia. It's part of the, 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 the thing that catalysts in Acts chapter 16 or 15. I didn't do my research on that. I'm, check that out. It's in Acts. I know that for sure, around that middle, middle verses. But where they had the council, chapter 15, I'm pretty sure. But this church struggled with some of those foundation things in dealing with sin issues and how to incorporate the body, how to work together. Because there were some divisions. Jews and Gentiles was a huge division. And Jews still wanted to hold on to the law and Gentiles who were not under the law and were kind of on the free and carefree side and, and were still bringing in the, the world into the church and dealing with sin. How do you deal with it? And so Paul Penzies, guided by the Holy Spirit, to kind of help us along with that. And this passage comes after the, the fruits of the Spirit. Now I'm jumping to the end of the chapter here, but I wanted to, to bring it to point with chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin... You who are spiritual should restore him gently. Right? A couple things here, right? Brothers, it means that we have a relationship. We're in the body together. Someone that we care about. Spiritual as Christian brothers. We can go to each other. Spiritual. That doesn't mean spiritual as in I've arrived, I've gotten to that point in life where I no longer struggle with it. No, that's not what he's talking about here. But spirituality it should be a growing process. We talked about that, right? Our faith needs to continue to grow. We never get to that point where we can say, oh, I've got it all figured out. I'm all set. As soon as we do that, we're in trouble. We need to kind of go back to basics and start looking at things again because I think we've missed a few steps. But it's that continual growth. But spiritual means that I'm looking at it with the right motives. My heart is in the right condition. I've dealt with the log. The log is no longer in my eyes. I can see clearly now. I can now actually go to this brother with good intentions, with love in my heart, help him. Again, the purpose is to restore him gently. Restoration. Not to beat him up with a stick. Not to poke him in the eye. Not to make him feel bad. Not to, to damage him. And there is some risk. I'll tell you that right now. When you start in a close relationship with somebody and dealing with sin, there is some risk. You don't know their response. I can tell you, I've dealt with many people, and, and sometimes the responses are opposite. Sometimes they love you, sometimes they hate you, as far, and you lose friendships over it. Even I'm just going to let Joe write motives. But we still don't get the opportunity to say, you know what, no, I'm just going to let Joe continue in that sin. He's going to wrestle with that. It's probably going to get worse. Oh, well. Sorry, Joe. No. I love him. I care about him. I want to help him. I want to restore him to that right spot again. 
help him with his relationship with Jesus. I don't replace it, but I want to help him with it. And so that's key to this, this passage. But just because there's a risk doesn't mean I need not to do it. Sometimes we have to override that, our, our humanistic feelings that he might be offended. But I have to watch myself here. It goes on in the next verse. Because I also may be tempted, right? Again, I had to deal with the law, but it doesn't mean that I'm totally free of it. it. doesn't mean that I still can't go back and pick it back up again. Again, if it's something that I've wrestled with, I've got to check my motives, right? Am I judging him too harshly? Am I trying to, to put more on him than is necessary? Am I really doing it with that love and compassion to bring him back into right relationship? I think this next verse follows that up and kind of brings that home. It says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. Interesting here. Fulfill the law of Christ. Not the law, right? I'm not the judge. I'm not just saying, hey, Joe, that's a sin. That's it. You're out of here. You, You can't deal with it. Until you get it straightened out, you can't come back, right? Kicking people out of church, that doesn't help. It doesn't do anything. Right? That's not the law he's talking about here. But it's a law of Christ that says that I love Joe. When you have self, and I need to work with him in that. It's a big difference in that. When you have someone that's wrestling with a sin issue, maybe it's a long-standing sin issue, sometimes you need to kind of get in there for the long haul. I may have to go back to Joe several times and check in with him and say, hey, Joe, how are you doing in that area? You know, hey, we set some things up to try to, to help keep you on the right path. You know, how's that going? Talked about this in our elders meeting, accountability. I'm actually reading a book on it. I know it's an older term, but it helps. Accountability. How, how are you doing those things that you've committed to? How are you doing in the, your walk with Jesus? Are you spending enough time in your word? Are you praying? How am, how am I treating my wife? Those things are good to be held accountable to. And we set those goals. We need people to come alongside of us to remind us. So it's the same thing here with this. I mean, they need to get down in there and, and, and kind of help shoulder that, that load with Joel a little bit and, and be that reminder for him. Again, not with, with the right motives, right? Not to keep beating him over the head with that same, but say, hey, you know, hey, if this causes you sin, maybe you shouldn't do that. How about we do this instead on this night? Or, hey, how about these passages? I was reading this. Let's read this book together, right? I don't mind people giving me books. I really don't. I like to read. But if you give me a book... Either you, ha- you probably should have read it yourself before you gave it to me. It's always a good practice. Or at the very least, say, hey, let's read this together, and then we'll come back and talk about it. Because guess what? I have been given hundreds of books from people who never read them themselves. And then I read them and say, I don't know why I read this, because it's a lousy book. And it, they could have saved me the trouble and the time of reading it. And I don't mind reading, but just bear that in mind. You know, Let's read it together or... You know, give it to you because, hey, this is a really good book. It spoke to me. Um, and let's talk about it. Let's get back together or read it uh, as a way of encouraging. So anyways, back to the law of Christ. I get off on some rabbit trails here, but I think I'm allowed a little bit this morning. Verse 3. Again, this is all in that context of relationship within the body of Christ. It says, if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Right? It's a good old pride issue. Keep that in check. Can't go to Joe and help him thinking that I'm better than Joe, right? The reality is, I, like I said, with the log, I've already struggled with this, but it doesn't mean that's defeated. 
right? No better. I am, that same sin, can, it, most likely it's a temptation for me, and I have to be careful of it just as well. And, and if it's not that sin, guess what? There's another one right down the, next on the list or down the road that I'm struggling with. We all have sins that we struggle with, some more than others. Verse 4, each one should test his own actions, and then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. And it goes back, and it loops back that little bit, right? And the, the load is, again, we all struggle with different sins. There's certain things that we struggle with, but we got to be careful with that. we got to keep it in perspective. Um, pride's one of those things that gets in the way. We start thinking that we have it all together or we've mastered something. It's a good time to go back and check. And obviously our actions should match that, right? I can't tell someone else not to do something if I'm not willing to not do it myself. One of the things that I've put into practice in my own life, I work with a lot of people with addictions and did this back long ago, before I even came here back in 2006. And I would tell people they literally could not have a drink or it was a trigger for them and they would fall into alcoholism. So I made the commitment long ago before I even got into ministry to say, you know what? I'm just not going to drink. How can I tell someone else they can't if I'm not willing to sacrifice that? Do I have the liberty to? Yes. Do I have the freedom to? Yes. Would I probably not cause, would I not stumble myself? No, probably not. Probably be all right with a drink. But again, for the sake of that other brother, and because I want to work with them and I want to be able to tell them that in good faith, I just gave it up altogether. Again, that's just one area. There are other areas that still need to be worked on. Interesting enough, too, is when we pick someone else to compare ourselves to, do we pick the, the best of the best? Do we, we usually set the bar way up here? Who do we usually pick? We usually pick someone that we think, in our own perspective, that's, that's down here. Someone who's struggling with something or someone that reality is we look down upon. Or they've got, quote, unquote, a lot of problems. I say a lot of times it's sometimes easier to deal with someone that has a lot of problems because guess what? They're usually right out there in the front. The harder to deal with is when someone thinks they have it all together and the problems are in here. and We don't see them. So we have to be careful who we compare ourselves to. And I'm also reminded that the only one that we really need to compare ourselves to is Christ. That kind of puts me in check pretty quick. I don't know how that works with you, but for me, yeah, it puts me back to my knees. All right, moving on. Anyone who receives instructions in the Word must share all good things with his instructor. This is one of those verses that I've, I've heard used, pastors use it every once in a while, and I think they kind of misuse it sometimes. They say, hey, share good things, right? Pay me a little bit more, right? Have you ever heard that, this verse used for that? That's not what that verse means. I, I really don't think that's what it means. I've heard, I've heard people that I respected use this verse, or, hey, this is the reason we can be be paid and, and for what we do because, you know, we need to be taken care of. No. I really think it, it really means in the context here especially is if Joe is having success in that area, come back and let me know because it's encouragement, right? We invest time or we're working with someone or we're helping them with a, a sin issue. Come back to me and let me know, hey, yeah, that's really working or that's helping. Or even, hey, come back it's not working, Charlie. What else can we do? How else can we work on this together? I think that's in the context here is sharing that part of it. Not sharing, Joe doesn't have to pay me for that. So it's not a charge. 
that, or he doesn't have to give me, if he comes into some money, usually I have to pay me extra for, for his, the instruction. Again, this is a verse that gets misused, I believe. But in the context, which is key, share the feedback. Because we all love that. It's an encouragement. Verse 7, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit, will reap eternal life. Right? So you will reap. It's a great concept. Especially in agriculture, we get that in context. There are outside factors that affect that. But generally speaking, if we keep sinning, we're going we're gonna to get in trouble. It's going to cause destruction. It's going to hurt. At the very least, it's going to hurt our relationship with God. It's also going to hurt our relationship with each other. It's going to hurt our relationship within the body. On the flip side, if we're operating in the Spirit, again, for you that like homework, go back and read Galatians chapter 5. It talks all about the Spirit, especially the last half of the verse. I'm not going to go through all that this morning. That's another sermon for another time. But walking in the Spirit produces the good. Love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. It produces those things. Again, that relationship is restored and goes deeper. This fruit that comes from that. Verse 9. I do believe these all go together. Let us not become weary in doing good. For at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if we do not give up. Remember, I told you, sometimes that response, when I go to that, it's not always positive. Sometimes it's negative. And sometimes that relationship never does get restored. But I can't tell you, there's been many a time, though, down the road, when tempers have gotten out of it, process, maybe we'll use Joe because I'm abusing him this morning. A year from now or five years from now, come back and say, you know what, Chai, I, I really just wasn't at the place where I could receive it, but you know what, I've, I've thought about it, prayed about it, God's done a work in my life. You were right. And it's not to be justified, but it's just more, hey, you were trying to help me out. I just wasn't ready to receive it yet. So we have to be patient with that. We still have to be faithful with that, too. We need to continue to help each other grow in our spiritual walk. That harvest will come. Lastly, verse 10, we'll wrap it up here this morning, 10 and 11. It says, therefore, we have an opportunity. Oh, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. Again, it's a reminder to this whole section. This only works within the context, really, of our church family. Right? Someone that we already have a relationship with. Someone that has enough like beliefs that we can work through this scripturally and that we can do it in the right motive, in the right heart. Right? Especially those within their body. And I... Harken back to Second Peter, right? We need to make every effort to do these things because we want to be productive. We don't want to be inefficient. Remember that message on that, right? I want Joe to be restored. I want our relationship to be good. I want his relationship with God to be good. So there's a burden. There's a, there is some requirements as believers in the church family to work on these things. And trust me, when I was working on this, there's nothing I had in mind Sometimes I, I do that purposely because um, if there was a major problem going on in our church, there were a lot of sin issues, guess what? It's not the time to deal with it then. It's almost too late because we probably 
stepped all over it, and we've made problems. But the way it is right now, I think things are going well, and so it's a good time to, to, to learn because we're more receptive to it. But maybe, I don't know, maybe there is a situation within our church body. Maybe there is someone that you need to go to that needs some help. But don't forget the steps. Take a look at ourselves first. Make sure there's no logs. Confess it. And then go back to that person. Follow all the way through. Because guess what? It's important. Our relationships are important. Both with God and with each other. Bow with me, please. Lord, I thank you so much for this morning. And I thank you for your word that instructs us on how to be as believers. Lord, I I just pray that our love for each other in this church body would just continue to grow. That we would, our relationships would deepen to the point where we can come to each other and say, hey, I see your struggle. And Lord, that you would just walk us through that process with your Holy Spirit to help us to grow more and more like you each and every day. Lord, continue to do that work in my life, continue to do the work in our church body's lives. Lord, we love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.